Welcome to the Successful Male Podcast. My name is Ron Mahotra. I'm a wealth, success, mindset, and leadership coach and the founder of the Successful Male Movement. In the Successful Male Podcast, we bring inspiring achievers who will help you unlock your inner game changer that wants to play big. The Successful Male Podcast is a show where we highlight the accomplishments of men who are doing amazing things with their life. The show where we share the stories, ideas, and philosophies of highly successful men who went after their goals with courage. The show where we highlight those men who use their highest vision to bring value to others. And the show that seeks not only to motivate and inspire, but transform, so you too can think big, live bigger, and lead with your highest vision. Thanks for spending some time with me today. I hope you find this episode inspirational. Welcome to the Successful Male Podcast. This is your host, Ron Mahotra. This morning, I've got with me Bob Sega. Uh, Bob is somebody that uh, uh, reached out to me recently. And uh, when I had a chat to him about some of the stuff that he was doing, I thought he would make a great guest. Uh, Bob is somebody that uh, is in the field of really developing human beings. Um, there's a number of ways he does that, uh, but I'm going to let him talk about that. So Bob, welcome to the Successful Male Podcast. Ron, it is my pleasure to be here with you. Thank you. I know you're doing some great work out there um, in terms of um, transforming lives. Um, you've got uh, a business by the name of, uh, let me see if I've got this right, or you can tell me what it is. Spearpoint Solutions. Spear, I was going to say Spearmint. Um, so I'm glad I didn't say that. Spearpoint Solutions. <laughs> <laughs> really interesting name, Spearpoint Solutions. So what, what, what do you do? We do uh, work in, with individuals and small businesses to help them realize their full potential. And some of that work is in the field of personal achievement, but more and more it's in the field of training on innovative and creative thinking to see solutions that, um, that are not being seen by everybody and, and frankly help, um, you know, help them thrive in the 21st century with that skill set. So um, I use those words. I use the word potential. I use the word thrive. Um, I use the, I, I talk about human potential a lot, but here's the thing. Why? I mean, why, what is the deal with potential? I mean, are we, are we suggesting that most people are not reaching their potential in life? And what do you think the cause is? I think there's no question that most people perform far below what their true potential is. And uh, I think the cause of that probably for most people is that they do not see themselves. Their self-image is so limited. And you know from some of the work that you do, Ron, people will never outperform what their self-image is. Whatever you believe about yourself you'll never surpass that. And so um, if, you, if you want to achieve more, you've got to increase the belief in what you are capable of. But you know, one of the things I've learned is what one man can do, another man can do. Uh, and not to leave the female set out, but it, you know, it's the successful male podcast. So that's my that's my take on why they don't is they they just don't believe that they're capable of it 
And positive psychology has been around for a long time, Bob, right? But despite it being around for so long, why is it that the people in general and even businesses and corporations have been so slow to embrace it? Well, my personal opinion is on the corporate side is if, um, you know, the corporate mentality is, especially among large companies, is if, it, if it's not broken, why should we fix it? And, uh, but I say, you know, just because you're, you've quote unquote, always done something in a particular way, that doesn't make it the best way. Um, it might be, but what if it's not? And if you're not thinking about these things, um, your competitors probably are, or at least some of them are. And um, so it's easier, I think, for corporations to have people feel like they're in their place. And most companies do not have anything in place to help people really grow and achieve. And I think the reason is it's because it's easier to keep them in their place. And um, if you help them grow and achieve and, and believe in themselves more, the chances that they're going to go start their own company go up. Right. So, the, so, so in a way, then it, 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 you can see why businesses don't do that. Uh, they, if they, and so here is a, a bit of a conundrum for businesses. And I know as a leader, it's a bit of a conundrum for me as well. When I get people on board, a part of me wants them to grow and develop and be the best that they can be. And I've had situations where we've poured so much into people. Uh, we've shared all our intellectual property. We've given invested time and resources into them only to have those people leave and then compete with us. So sometimes I, I have sat there and I've gone, why isn't there a solution that just works in this in this area? It's it's quite complex because as a good leader, uh, as somebody that really believes in people, you won't you never want to stop um, investing in people. Uh, but so many times I have suffered negative consequences as a result of doing so. Um, and look, the people may say, but you know that's a positive thing, Ron. The people have left. Of course, I understand that, and I I, I really I don't want to certainly don't want to tie people down. It's great to see when people spread their wings and 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 you know they. Uh, they they start to pursue their dreams, um, but but there is also another fact here that as a business, when you invest in people and you and you develop uh, all the infrastructure and you and you and you put resources into people, there is a cost. And so, as a business, if you don't get a return on investment, uh, then that can be quite detrimental to the survival of the business. So I'm just wondering, how do you balance that? Because when you're having these conversations with businesses, because I'm all for the positive psychology. And, 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 you know, so much material comes out from Simon Sinek about servant leadership and that sort of stuff. And then you actually go out in the real world and you go, okay, I understand all of these concepts. They resonate with us at such a deep level because we all want to feel like the world is a good place and these things work. But do they always work, Bob? I mean, is there any research to suggest that uh, it is actually working for businesses? It makes good investment choice because ultimately as you know all businesses and corporations also have to um, drive the bottom line because if the bottom line is not increasing then there is no growth in the business and that means the business cannot employ more people so how does that i find that to be a bit of a dichotomy i'd just love to know what your comments are on that you know it really is a dichotomy and i think it depends ron how they go about implementing it 
you know, what is the system within the business that is in place, and most of them don't have one, to help people embrace when you're helping them grow, embrace that sort of inner entrepreneur, uh, but give them, um, to use sort of a modern term, a, a safe space to do that within. And um, one of the things that, um, that I loved about my uh, previous career in, in financial services was they were excellent at recognition. And I find a lot of corporations are not very good at that. And one of the things that we've done on the innovative thinking training is we have put a program in place where combined with the training is uh, incentives, both financial and recognition to help, help people, encourage people to be creative within that space and develop more of a partnering relationship with their employer employer employee where if they if they come up with ideas to help the company prosper the company recognizes everyone and if they're financially they add to the bottom line for the company then the company recognizes that with a financial reward and when you when you're satisfying both of those things for people recognition extremely important. I think it was Napoleon that said men will fight long and hard in battle for small pieces of colored ribbon. It's true. So they'll work just as hard for recognition as they will for money and probably more, they'll probably even work harder. And so when you can, when you can satisfy both of those, you're still going to have some turnover. That's inevitable, but you can reduce your turnover when people perceive that their opportunity for gaining in both financial wealth and recognition wealth, um, you, when they've perceived that opportunity, then your turnover will be decreased. And as you know, as a business owner, turnover is an enormous expense. And not only is it a, you know, it's painful, you know, losing good people and having to retrain a new person, but it's costly trying to find that new person and then getting them onboarded and up to speed. So that's one of the things that we've done to try and um, lessen that for companies. But I can tell you that's much easier to implement with smaller companies than it is big entrenched corporations. Yeah, because obviously, as you know, the, the employees always have the mindset, now I have been an employee, you know, that the employee should invest more in me, should look after me, should pay me well. Uh, and then the employees have this mindset, well, you know, I'm happy to do all of that um, if you get me a return first. And so there's always this friction between employers and employees, and which is why it sometimes become, um, becomes difficult to manage. But I like the way you explain that, which leads me to my next question. You've got an initiative called the Five Forms of Wealth. Tell me a little bit right. more about that. Yeah, that's, uh, thank you for asking about that. It's, um, you know, from, from the work that I've done in, uh, in personal achievement, it seems to me that people were always driven, and I know I was early on, driven by making money, you know, and that's what they deemed wealth. 
But the more I learned and the more experience I got, the more I realized that there are really five forms of wealth. Money is certainly part of that. And anybody that tells you money is not important or money is not wealth, I don't know what world they're living in. Money is important. Um, it's it's important. not important. Uh, and if you don't think it's important, ask your mortgage company if they think it's important. <laughs> it is important, right? So the five forms, uh, from my observation, Ron, are money, time, satisfaction, relationships, and health. And so in the work that, that I've done in personal achievement, we talk about, you know, when you're setting goals, it should not be just money. Uh, it should be part of it. But, you know, what good is having all the money in the world if your relationships are terrible? And what good's all the money in the world if you have no time to enjoy it? Or if you can't walk up a flight of stairs without getting winded? So I had thought about that a lot. And then um, a little over a year ago, uh, I got what I call an inspired thought. Just driving along in the car not thinking about business at all. And just out of nowhere, a thought popped into my mind that you should write a book about the five forms of wealth. And I remember thinking, boy, that's, that's a really good idea. And then Ron, I default normally to how will something work, not how will it not work. But being a human being, I, you, know, you have those doubt thoughts pop up periodically. And I had a doubt thought that said, uh, you know what? I don't have time to write another book. You know, I've got my one book out there, Discovering Your Greatness. I don't have time to write another book. Well, Ron, it was not 90 seconds later that I had another thought pop into my mind. It, as again, I think another inspired thought. I said, don't write it all yourself. You know, find other people who have stories to tell about having a lack of and then gaining an abundance in one or more of those five forms of wealth. And I say it was an inspired thought because uh, that was early March of last year. And we found, I had three people in mind initially, myself plus three others. that so I knew their story. I knew them. And I thought, boy, their story would make a really good contribution to the book. And uh, so I ended up finding uh, 35 other people because there's a total of 39 stories in the book and it's called living a wealthy life and it's subtitled gaining an abundance in all five forms of wealth. And uh, it, so we found all those authors went through the editing process, got the book published in five and a half months. And, and now we're working on the uh, second book in the series if you're interested in the title, I'll tell you what it is. I'd love to know. And I love the, I love the fact that uh, you had the inspiration and you had these, these epiphany moments that, because, you know, it's, that's what happens when you decide that you're going to do something that goes beyond you. And uh, I love the whole concept because the five forms of wealth, it's so simple. Um, and it, it's so comprehensive at the same time, because uh, you're right, you have two types of people, the people that are just, you know, sick of the capitalist system and then starting to make the whole concept of wealth and money and lifestyle, they're making it wrong. And then you've got uh, the other school, which is very, very uh, orientated towards material uh, and financial gains uh, and, and do not emphasize the other elements of life. 
And so I think there's definitely a need in the market that uh, uh, demystifies uh, and, and, and brings together all the important concepts. So I just want to quickly reiterate. So you've got, you've got wealth, it's a financial wealth, you've got satisfaction, uh, you've got health. What were the other two again, Bob? It's money, time, money, time, satisfaction, relationships, and health. And time, relationships, and, and health. I mean, how could you even feel successful without those three? I mean, I just look at the fact that, you know, they say that uh, if you, when you're wealthy, you have money, but when you're rich, you have time. Uh, it is so true. If you have no time to do the important things in life, are you really successful? And then relationships, if you don't have meaningful relationships, if you don't have your health, and it's so, you know, we, we've come this far as, as a, you know, as, as a species, uh, you know, the human race has been around for 200, 300,000 years. And yet we have not been able to just understand this, this simple concept that unless we have this alignment between those things, that life is completely off balance. And we really just, we, we, we just, we're not really successful in, in its holistic form. So thank you for doing such great work. But I'd love to know, what's the title of your, of your book? The, the, the first book or the second book that's the coming one. out? The, second, the one. second one is called Living a Consequential Life, and it's subtitled The Power of Have To. Very nice. I like that. And you know what I like about you, Bob, is I like the way you explain things uh, with this calm energy, and it's a well-considered concept. And I always say to people, I always say, you know, what's simple is not necessarily easy. So you better pay attention to what's simple because most people just overlook the simple. You know, you, you can talk about this stuff and people go, oh, yeah, okay, thanks, Bob. You know, yeah, I understand. I've got to have money, health, and, you know, don't tell me about the labor pains. Give me the baby. <laughs> but, the, but, the, but, but the fact is, simple is not easy to execute. Um, and it's the mastery of simplicity that's lacking. If you just master the simple principles of life, simple principles of money, simple principles of relationships, simple principles of business, you will do very well. But the issue is people unconsciously look for complexity. And I like, I like your whole philosophy of making something that is so important, but making it simple enough for people to understand. But would you agree that, that the magic happens in the application, not just the, the comprehension of the intellectual concepts? Oh, without question. I mean, without question, you can have, look, you can have the, the greatest concept in the world you can have the greatest idea in the world. You know, one of the things that I like to talk about in, in the personal achievement work, and frankly, this is true on the innovative thinking side as well, is that there is a difference between knowing about something and actually knowing it. And the knowing comes through doing. You know, the analogy I like to use is you can read a hundred books watch a million videos, listen to a coach about swimming, but you really don't know how to swim until you get into the water. And, and that's the difference in knowing about something and actually knowing it. And, and it's, um, but getting back to something that you brought up, Ron, is simple, simple works. You, you can get overcomplicated in your thinking and you suffer from an old term I've heard a lot, the analysis, or excuse me, the paralysis of analysis. And you can try and figure out a million ways uh, that it will work or won't work. But if you just get started and can focus on the basics and 
you know, you put one foot in front of the other as, as trite as that sounds, you know, if you, you build a building one brick at a time, when you start throwing up, trying to throw up whole walls at a time, you're going to make a heck of a mess. And uh, so, but think about it this way. If I just improve 1% a month, forget, I mean, forget 1% a day or 1% a week, improve 1% a month. You know, you look up a year from now or five years from now, you focused on that one little concept of improving some aspect of what you're doing 1% a month, five years later, wow. I mean, it, it's almost an entire change at how, at how efficient and good you, you've gotten just focusing 1% a month. We are made of the same cloth, Bob, and uh, I, I absolutely agree with um, everything that you're saying. It's philosophically, uh, this, these concepts are embedded with wisdom. And uh, it's just interesting to me how many people overlook uh, these concepts. And I'm really, I love the fact that you're bringing it to the business world. But tell me, how did you get into this sort of stuff? I mean, this, were you, were you born a very wise man, Bob? Because uh, <laughs> if, you, if you knew my track record of mistakes, I tell you what, I, um, I have pro pro practically made every mistake under the sun. And I'm just one of those people that just, that's the way I learn. But I'm listening to you, you sound so, so wise and so mature in your, in, your, in your discernment, in your judgment, in your perspectives. Tell me, how did you, how did you get this way? Well, listen, uh, I was not you know, born a Buddhist monk. I, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I think I probably have taken a similar path to you. In my, look, my estimation is the only people who have never failed and, and failed in spectacular ways are people who have never tried anything big. And, and I think there's such, I, I don't, I don't know what this is like in, um, in other countries, but I think there's such a, I know in the United States, there's such a stigma attached to failure that, and I think that's bred through our school system that if you fail, you are so berated over things, people become, that becomes so ingrained in them, they become so afraid to fail, but that's where the greatest lessons are. And, and you know, maybe I seem wise, but it's wisdom born of pain. <laughs> you know, that, that pain of failing and trying things and failing again and failing, but, but learning at the same time, learning from that failure, what, you know, and taking a backward look and say, well, what, why didn't this work? And what can I do going forward to improve that? And that's, that's one of the keys, by the way, is that it's so easy to get stymied by failure and sit and, you know, whine and cry over it didn't work. Well, that's just too bad. You, you're, you're going to stumble. You are going to stumble. You're going to fail, but always fail forward. 
it, Bob, you need, you, need, you, need, you need to make an audio. I mean, you, you, your voice is uh, is just having a very soothing effect on me. It's just full of wisdom. But I, I, you, I, I'm sorry to just interrupt there, but I couldn't help but think that, geez, you've got, you've got, uh, you've just got the right delivery of message with the right voice, and uh, these powerful, wise words that are coming out of you. You've got to find a way to capture this. I just thought I'd, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I just thought I'd better <laughs> let you know that you've got this amazing gift. Uh, bottle it up, capture it somehow. I think people are going to want to hear this. Um, but you're right. I was talking to a private client of mine yesterday and I said to him, you know, if you can find a way to uh, master your primal fears, the fear of embarrassment, the fear of rejection, the fear of failure, uh, the fear of death, uh, the fear of poverty, the fear of disease, if you can somehow overcome majority of these, um, you will become unstoppable. And you, that's why you're talking about failure. And I think so many people are just, uh, the, they're, they're fearful of the ridicule and the embarrassment. And uh, I think that's the thing that probably people ask me, how did I get to where I am? And I think this is the only thing. I'm not scared to embarrass myself because I just know that there is no other way. The only way is to experiment. And you get experience through experimentation. And when you experiment, not everything works. In fact, most things don't work. And so that's why you just course correct. But so many people want to first course correct without trying anything. And that's not, that's not how you do it. And such a simple concept to understand, but people actually don't get it, which is just going back to your point before, there is a difference in knowing and knowing. And, you know, you can know something intellectually and still not understand it. And so I love the fact that you mentioned that. So how do you take this model into the business world? And what, what do you, so if I'm a business person, I say, hey, Bob, you know, I'm having these, uh, I'd like to improve my bottom line and, I'd like to get a high level of engagement happening and my want my team to be more productive and perform better. Tell me, how would you help me with that? Well, look, typically what we do is uh, we'll start out with a one-time event. We'll, we'll use it as a team building event. event. And, um, and, you know, it, it, to digress for a second, I have a friend who he, he does uh, some corporate training. And I remember talking to him one day and he was looking at some evaluation forms on his corporate training. And, um, when I, I said, um, I said, can I ask you a question? And I said, you know, he was telling me about the feedback. I said, can I ask you a question? And he said, sure. I said, are the people that are in, in your training, are they, are they there voluntarily or does the company sort of require that they're there and take this series of ongoing classes? He's like, no, they kind of insist. I said, well, tell me, tell me if it's not in my business and I won't be offended if you do, but I almost guarantee you have people rolling their eyes, checking their email, looking at their watch, not embracing what you're saying. And he's just nodding. And I said, people don't like to be forced to do things. And so what, what we do, Ron, is we'll come in and we'll do a one-time event to introduce people to the concepts that we're talking about. And from there, we get volunteers. And through those volunteers, when people start to realize that as they're contributing to the company, they're getting recognized and if they contribute to the company's bottom line, they get rewarded financially as well. It starts to develop a culture where people are, you know, people are competitive, right? And if you can make that friendly and competitive, like I give you a quick example. Somebody 
it turns in one idea they think will be helpful to the company. They get recognized with a pen. Well, when that goes up to five ideas that they've contributed, whether the company does anything with them or not, when that goes up to five ideas, that pen changes color. And so let's say I have a white pen and Ron has a blue pen. I'm looking at that going, Ron's no smarter or sharper or more ambitious than me. I want a blue pen. And so it, it channels that competitive drive into a productive manner. And, uh, and when you can do that, you can alter the culture of a company just, just through that friendly competition and the recognition and reward system. So, but it all starts with one event and getting them to volunteer and then attracting more volunteers as you go. And you know what the thing is, just listening to you, I know that this is not just theory, what you've just, some of the words that you just used to describe what you do, um, culture, mm -hmm. collaboration, that's about what it actually comes down to. Uh, and, and I uh, congratulate you for the wonderful work that you're doing and the, you know, the philosophy that you bring, uh, which is very powerful. But do take my advice. I think you should record your voice and you should start selling some audios because uh, you have a, you've been blessed with a, with a wonderful voice and you've been blessed with uh, the level of clarity that you have through which you articulate these concepts. It's refreshing indeed. And uh, I could certainly drag this podcast out for a few more hours and still remain engaged. Uh, but uh, what I'd want to do now is just to let people know if they want to find out more about Bob the Man and they want to find out more about your books and the projects that you're working on, how can they get in touch with you? Sure. The, the best place to find me is on LinkedIn. Uh, in terms of online, social media especially, that's where I spend uh, one, the time that I have allocated for that. That's where it is. And uh, so but they can find both of my books. The, my first book, which is uh, dedicated to personal achievement only, it's called Discovering Your Greatness. Uh, and it's subtitled A Higher Level Thinking and Action Guide. And, uh, and then the second book um, is Living a Wealthy Life and subtitled uh, Gaining an Abundance, excuse me, Stories of Gaining an Abundance in All Five Forms of Wealth. That those are both available on Amazon in ebook and paperback. And uh, they can find me on Twitter, but Twitter is Twitter. I, I don't really do a whole lot with that. So uh, <laughs> those are the best places to find me, Ron. And thank you. Those are great titles, by the way. Very impressive. Um, and thank you so much for being on the show, Bob. Um, you're an incredible man and uh, you're a great role model. So thank you for uh, honoring us with your presence and uh, being prepared to share your wisdom. I look forward to keeping in uh, contact with you and uh, being a witness to all your progress that you're no doubt going to achieve. Bob, thank you very much. Just one last thing before you go. Is there a favorite book or a favorite quote that you would like to share with our audience? Yeah, I'll, I'll share a book and a quote if you don't mind. Please. My, uh, a, a book that I would highly recommend other than mine, um, is called The Go-Giver. It's by Bob Berg and John David Mann. It's a short read. It's written as a parable. Um, and it is, if you want to be ultra successful in all forms of wealth, that's a great read. And then the quote is from Henry Ford. 
And it's uh, Henry Ford says, if you think you can or think you can't, you're right. Uh, beautiful pick. I love the book that you picked. I love the quote that you picked. Bob, thank you so much for being on the Successful Mail podcast. My pleasure, Ron. 